Welcome to Beyond the Scoreboard, a podcast about the history and development of sports broadcasting, where we will take an inside look as to how broadcasting sports has developed over the years and where it stands today and what we can expect for the future of sports broadcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first installment of the Beyond the Scoreboard podcast. My name is Brian Norman, and today we will take a deep dive into the world of sports broadcasting. I sat down with real-world professionals, from up-and-coming students in the broadcast and production field to professors and broadcasters in the field today to talk about the changes that we've seen throughout the years and what we can expect in the future. The early days of sports broadcasting were way different than what we see on television today. The first actual sports broadcast happened in the early 1900s for a Princeton College baseball game, believe it or not. That was kind of tough to believe for me, honestly. But from there, we saw a boom of sports radio with iconic voices like Vince Scully and John Sterling becoming voices not only throughout the household, but throughout sports in general throughout the entirety of the 1900s. As time went on, we saw the development of sports broadcasting on television, and now in today's day and age, we have seen a variety of sports being broadcasted on streaming services such as ESPN+, Amazon Prime, and Peacock. The move from traditional cable broadcast to these streaming services like ESPN+, and Amazon Prime have caused a lot of controversy within the sports world. I sat down with Clever Streich to discuss the changes in the way sports are broadcasted and the potential benefits that come with broadcasting these games on these streaming services. Clever is currently a graduate student studying sports journalism at Quinnipiac University while also working for the NBC Olympics production staff as well as, the cur- as, well as being the current broadcast manager for the Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network. Here's what he had to say on the topic. Do you think that there's been like uh, it's beneficial for ESPN Plus and all these streaming services to stream like these different games like like water polo at UC Irvine, like a game that would never usually get coverage? Like what are the benefits to that? I think it's because it's nationwide. If you look at, you know, how these sports used to be broadcasted, no one would really look at Mac basketball and think, you know, random person in Iowa, they wouldn't really try to go out of their way to watch it. But now if you're bored and you're streaming on ESPN plus, you're kind of surfing around, you could look and say, Hey, wait a minute, maybe I'll get exposed to New Hampshire soccer or something just random. Like sometimes I'll watch random sports just to see what different broadcasts are like, or what the commentators are like, try and see if, you know, there's any differences that I can bring back to QBSN or, you know, bring to the table here at my internship at NBC, like just trying to learn as much as you can, but it's getting exposure for programs that didn't used to have that platform because ESPN plus you can access anywhere and anybody can be watching. I remember one time, do you know, John boy media? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a Quinnipiac women's soccer game from like one or two years ago. And uh, Ben Kane was calling it and John boy was tweeting about it on Twitter. Like he like had like Ben's call and it kind of went semi-viral for the moment. So that was a really cool moment, but like, that's not possible without ESPN plus where the random, you know, women's soccer game where Rebecca cook scores a goal that goes viral because anyone can see it. 
Like Clever mentioned, the move to streaming services on these apps like ESPN Plus and Amazon Prime is beneficial in a lot of different ways. One of the most common benefits that I've seen and even used myself is from sports commentators themselves. When preparing for games as a commentator, it's always good to know as much as possible about not only the team that you usually cover, the home team in, for that instance, but the opponent as well. Talk a little bit how over the years, how sports broadcasting has kind of um, evolved and you, have you seen any differences with that since you started? Well, if you're, you're talking about the broadcasting of games or would you include yeah, the... Um, uh, I'd say the broadcasting know, of games and like how a school like Quinnipiac um, maybe besides hockey wouldn't really get like coverage like a Quinnipiac volleyball game, for instance, wouldn't get an ESPN Plus game. But in, like today, uh, Quinnipiac volleyball game is getting streamed on ESPN Plus against Fairfield last weekend. So was- Yeah, well, that that's huge. Um, and I'll, I'll just take it a step further in how it's covered, certainly by uh, news organizations now. Uh, through the years, um, and technology has added to that. But I think, to your point, the biggest thing has been uh, with respect to ESPN Plus and how now a lot of the sports uh, are are streamed in that way. And um, you know, people you know people can see it. Whether you'd be you know parents of some of the student athletes to even prospective. Um, coaches to use as either uh, a way to see some of the uh, other you know teams and scout other teams and then you know now with the the transfer portal they can even watch uh, potential players who might be um, entering a, the transfer portal so I think it's it's been it's made a huge difference uh, overall without question um has it kind of changed the way that you prepare for a game now or is it that does that stay the same because maybe it might have been more radio based um, no it's, when it's broadcasting started to be honest with you so here's an example now when i was when i was the sports director at fox 61 in hartford okay my schedule was sunday through thursday and quinnipiac home games for the most part are friday saturday so i would be able to uh do both of those games since going to Channel 8 in New Haven and switching to news, I'm Monday through Friday. So I can only do the Saturday games or the occasional Sunday game. Um, so if, um, for instance, uh, re- last last weekend or the weekend before, Quinnipiac was going to play Colgate on Saturday. On Friday, Colgate played at Princeton. So when I got home from work on that Friday night, I was able to go to ESPN Plus and watch uh, the majority of the Colgate-Princeton game from that night. And that helped me to prepare for the game I was going to do on Saturday. Now, that's not where it stops. There's other preparation. I'll usually reach out to um, the sports information person. uh, And at different colleges, for instance, different sports information people they'll usually have three or four uh, sports that they're in charge of so i'll just go to uh the teams or the schools and the program site and see who handles men's hockey for a given program then i'll reach out to them and say you know can i get a a few minutes to talk about your team so i did that and then prior to the game 
we usually go down to the visiting locker room and get a few minutes with the opposing coach. But just the ability to go on to ESPN Plus and watch not only that game, but other games of theirs if I wanted. Um, it's a great it's a great tool. The streaming services definitely have helped not only broadcasters like myself, Clever and Rich, to better prepare ourselves for these games, but what other broadcasters are doing and use it to help sharpen our skills and make us better at our craft. However, it wouldn't be a controversy if everybody agreed that these streaming services are the greatest thing to happen to sports. I spoke to Richard Hanley, a professor of journalism at Quinnipiac for 23 years. Rich has been covering sports for his entire life and in turn has seen the changes in how sports broadcasts have developed since he started in the industry. I spoke to Rich about how sports broadcasting has changed and the difference in what it was like when he started until now. Take a listen. So I know that you weren't really hands-on with how sport, like sports broadcasting necessarily, but you've obviously been dealing with journalism and sports for a long time. How have you kind of seen um, how we broadcast sports evolve over the years? Well, I started my career covering college basketball as a print reporter, but I did pay very close attention um, to games that were televised and also how the production was handled on site, you know, and how the how the journalists did their job, the announcers and analysts and so on. You know, so I so I'm familiar with the craft certainly, and I and I do respect it. And I it has changed um, over the last generation or two. Um, it used to be a medium more for storytelling and and, and whatnot, and um, in between breaks in the action, that sort of thing. Um, and now we're seeing uh, the use of analytics. Uh, in place of storytelling, because you're dealing with a finite commodity called time, you can either do analytics or storytelling. You try to do both. Uh, but analytics and statistics uh, and abstractions like that um, have taken root, you know, in broadcast sports journalism, because um, that's what the fans want. Uh, the fans are deeply invested in that sort of mathematics. And, and so the sports journalists uh, who do broadcasting are, are following what the fans want, which is they want the numbers. They want, for various reasons, they want they want to see who's doing what at a microscopic level. Would you say that the statistics are kind of replacing the storytelling or are being used to tell the story? Um, I, I would say our statistics are being used in place of the story because the story doesn't matter as much as it used to throughout a broadcast. It does certainly in establishing a storyline at the top of a broadcast, one that you could call back throughout the broadcast, you know, that, that sort of thing to, to keep the narrative continuity in place. But because fans are so invested in fantasy sports and now online gambling, where statistics matter more than story, uh, statistics are beginning to, uh, become the dominant feature of broadcasts um, along, you know, alongside the anecdotal uh, material uh, that an analyst will deploy to to fill time uh, when the analytics aren't really apparent in the broadcast. The days of a broadcaster such as the great Vin Scully are over, uh, where the broadcasters were storytellers, you know, first and foremost because of the nature of the breaks in sports. Um, now uh, the, the access accessibility of even obscure statistics uh, makes it more a conveyance for, for figures, for numbers, 
than anything else because that's what that's what keeps the audience engaged. Uh, given the the sheer volume of fantasy sports uh, participants and uh, folks who are in ever increasing numbers uh, gambling on various aspects um, of a game beyond just the score and the and the spread an upside and a downside to streaming services like ESPN Plus. And Rich honestly makes a good point. The broadcasts are completely different than what they used to be. I remember growing up listening to Yankees games on the radio with my grandma. And obviously radio is a little bit different, but it was all about creating the story of the game, making the fan feel excited from their seat at home, not really getting to watch the game, but creating a picture for them. And to Rich's point, a lot of that is gone nowadays. It's mainly about statistics, on-the-fly statistics. What is best for your fantasy team? What do you need to hit this parlay? And what like, what random stat can you pull out in the middle of a broadcast? And I thought that was an interesting insight by him as someone who has been in the sports industry for as long as he can remember. I thought that was an interesting insight to have from him that my, someone like myself who's kind of new to the craft – wouldn't really understand. So I really enjoyed hearing that from him. Another upside, however, to these streaming services is how they create jobs, not just on air, but behind the scenes. And with the addition of all these platforms and broadcasts, there are more availability for jobs behind the scenes as well as on air. I spoke to Brittany Braun-Lieben, a sophomore journalism major and another broadcast manager alongside Clever Streich at the Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network. Here's what she had to say about the creation of jobs from these streaming services. You talked about more people being there for the games. Can you talk about how the addition of things like ESPN Plus and Amazon Prime have kind of helped in making more availability for up-and-coming broadcasters like me and you to get more opportunities on to call games? Exactly. So like when we're so like on a Thursday night, we'll be all on our suite watching Amazon Plus because now Amazon Prime, because now when you see it, when you're applying after trying to do it in college and now that you see all these job opportunities and there's more places than just ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports. Now you can work for Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus and stuff like that. So this addition of more broadcasting is giving the future generation more job opportunities that were like at first limited. But now there's like an increase of needing broadcasters. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it, but you said working for Amazon Prime and working for like all these big um, new streaming services that things like Thursday Night Football and Monday Night Football are doing. Do you think that not only is it giving them an opportunity for sports broadcasters, but other people in general to like get work in sports? Oh, definitely, because now you need more camera people because now you need Amazon exclusive camera people. So that opens up sports filming, sports photography through Amazon itself. So not just the typical, as I said, the typical sports networks. So Amazon needs more people to do that. So everyone in general, there's more for sports photography, sports filming, um, sideline reporters, there's more opportunities to get people more involved. And then like even like during the halftime show, more analysts can sign up, be in the positions and try new things. The availability of jobs in sports now with the addition of these streaming services has really increased and benefited a ton of people, not just with jobs on air, but off air as well. Like Brittany mentioned in our interview, on the sidelines, behind the camera, behind the scenes. And I thought that was a really good point from someone who's young in the game to kind of understand how these streaming services have benefited everybody, not just on air people, but people from behind the scenes as well. My last interview of the episode was with Will Fowler. Will served as the chairman 
of the Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network for two years at his time at Quinnipiac and was a broadcaster for all four of his years in the network. Will now works as a production assistant at ESPN. I asked Will about the benefits of streaming services like ESPN Plus and how we think it has affected the way sports are broadcasted. His inside perspective was a valuable one, and here's what he had to say on the topic. In your young career, how have you kind of seen sports broadcasting uh, develop over the years, kind of like the changes that have happened from both on air and from behind the scenes? Yeah, totally. So there, there, I, I haven't broadcasted myself long enough to witness any, any seismic changes in the way that, that, that broadcasting is done. Um, but even over the last, last 10 or 15 years, I think you're seeing a pivot from, um, I, I think you're seeing an increase in accessibility and opportunity for anybody who wants an opportunity to go out and broadcast, um, that obviously starts at the highest level with the ESPNs and the ABCs and the NBCs and the Foxes and, and, and all the streaming services that have come from that. I think um, there, there used to be a time where there was one game a night and there was a, a broadcast team a for it. And if the play by play comment, the play by play guy on broadcast team a was six, the sick, then it was broadcast team B's turn. And, and that's just kind of how, how it went about. Yeah. You kind of touched on it already with the streaming services and the different ways that sports are produced. Um, can you just talk about like more in depth of the benefits of things like ESPN plus and Amazon prime and how not only are they giving more opportunities to sports broadcasters, but about how they're changing the way that we watch sports like ESPN, putting on a entire toy story, um, yeah. produced game, like things like that, even like are just different than they were t- 10 years ago. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but I think, recently we've been pushing boundaries of what's acceptable um in terms of putting on a production you mentioned the the espn toy story game um we did a a a big city greens nhl game a a few months ago where it was the new york rangers and you turned every single player into this cartoonized amorphous blob and you stuck them down on a cartoonized Times square and that went on on espn too so um you know, I think there there has been thought in um, kind of differentiating. And I think the thing with, with broadcasts like that is you're trying to appeal to a new market. You're trying to bring in younger viewers. Obviously, with those two examples, you're bringing in um, younger viewers. You're trying to get younger people interested in the sport. But even things like the Monday Night Football Manicast, I mean, that's that's the same concept. Uh, you're, you're going out and you're trying to grab folks who want to watch sports covered a different way. You know, you maybe you don't care as much about what Joe Buck has to say. You want to hear from two former pros and the way they analyze, you know, a quarterback's read progression and the way that they see a blocking scheme. And, um, you know, even if you just want to watch Peyton Manning watch the Broncos game, you know, like there are different ways to cover sports. And I think that's what what falls into that category. And then, you know, when you look at, at E-plus and Paramount, Peacock, um, I think one of my favorite things about those platforms is that, A, there is so much more content on there that there are just inherently more spots available for younger broadcasters who want that foothold. But also, particularly with the ESPN Plus, what they'll do is they will outsource to the college, the, the, the universities themselves. Um, and that's what I think is really cool about, about that is, at least for us, when we were at QBSN, you know, you, you mentioned the hockey teams and the basketball teams um 
those are ESPN plus broadcasts, but they reach out to Quinnipiac athletics and say, put this broadcast together, send us the feed, you know, and we'll put it on E plus. So um, those are college students in, in most cases. Uh, and, you know, there are some professionals who, who, for the bigger universities like Quinnipiac hockey will get that opportunity as well. But, um, you know, I remember one, one of the coolest things I ever did was call the Quinnipiac men's soccer semifinal because I broadcast one on ESPN plus. And yeah. I, was, I was 19. I, I I just, you know, it was me and my buddy. We were doing research and um, that game got to go on ESPN. So uh, it's a cool thing to have to, to tuck into your belt. And it's, it's you know, it's easier for ESPN, obviously, because they don't need to send their own broadcast. They don't need to hire 500 broadcast teams and send them all to, you know, Coppin State. But um, but yeah, I think, I think accessibility and opportunity are what makes those platforms so valuable, especially for a young person who wants to get into sports broadcasting. Yeah, getting to talk to someone on the inside at ESPN and hear how valuable he thinks these developments to sports broadcasting are was really cool to hear. And to see someone who works behind the scenes putting on sports broadcasts for a living and hear how confident he was in these streaming services and what they're going to do for sports going forward was really just awesome to hear as someone coming up in the sports industry. That's all we have for today's installment of the Beyond the Scoreboard podcast. Make sure you tune in next time for more on the evolution of sports broadcasting and where it might take us. My name is Brian Norman. Thanks for tuning in.